Welcome to Chazon the Podcast. This episode is part of the series, Sound the Call, a journey through COP26. COP26 is a UN summit that has convened global leaders to accelerate action towards averting the worst impacts of the climate crisis. Yakir Manella, CEO of Chazon, and Nigel Savage, the visionary founder of Chazon, have flown to Glasgow to advocate for bold, meaningful climate action and meet other faith climate leaders who are doing the same. This episode is their final live dispatch from Glasgow. Yakir and Nigel have met up to reflect on their week at COP26, to discuss their experiences, the impact it's had on them, and the hopes and challenges they see moving forward. Enjoy. Shalom. Welcome, everybody, to the final episode of Sound the Call, a Jewish Journey through COP26, at least the final episode recording here from Glasgow. And Shavua Tov, it is Saturday night, November 6th, here with my friend and teammate, Nigel Savage. Uh, it's been quite a week here, and I want to thank you for being here with me. I want to thank you for all your support um, during this transition as I'm stepping into the new CEO role here with Zone and Pearlstone merging. Uh, this happens to be coming, this event, at the end of the first, my first 90 days on the job. So it's an interesting end to the listening tour. We're ending the listening tour by listening to the world. <laughs> so it's been really something. 30,000 people uh, here. Uh, somebody told me that the actual conference is smaller than in the past because of COVID, but a whole bunch of people descending on Glasgow yeah. over the last week and uh, earlier today hundreds of thousands of people marching, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but it's been really an intense event. Uh, there's the blue zone that we're inside of now with all the country pavilions and you know, special events and plenaries with the world leaders. For some reason, they did not invite us to them. We, we must have misplaced the invitation. Uh, and then there's the green zone that's open, up, uh, open to the public. And we've been at sessions in both the blue zone and green zone. But this is not the first time that the zone has been at uh, international uh, event like this, or maybe it's maybe not like this, but in the past. Tell us about, uh, Nigel, what, what Chazon's prior experience and your prior experience has been at with UN events and multi-faith events like this. Yeah, so first of all, thank you. I, I just want to say right back at you, this has been a, a really uh, a pleasure with you and a really fascinating and rich experience. I think neither of us truly knew what to expect. And honestly, I think I came in with not exactly low expectations, but not completely knowing whether it made sense to be here. And amongst other things, I'm leaving feeling that this was time it's extremely well spent. Um, yes, as you said, it hasn't been a huge piece of Hazan's work, but I do believe that it has been an important piece of work. Um, we were particularly involved in the lead up to, uh, uh, I always get the numbers confused, COP15 in Copenhagen and COP21 in uh, in Denmark, Paris. in Paris, sorry. And in both of those, we were really involved in sort of high-end interfaith uh, gatherings um, where we sort of, uh, in, in the second one in Paris, sort of represented the Jewish community, the Jewish people. In the first one, put together a significant delegation representing the Jewish people. Um, and I think it, it helped me understand it gave me a kind of a sense of humility in a way, but also the profundity of the work that I understood that on both of those occasions, partly we were chess pieces, the world religions, 
were chess pieces on the board of the leadership of the UN and really the leadership of the global environmental movement. And that in a sense, it was just a small piece of putting further pressure on governments to be able to say, the world's religions are really calling for change and with a certain kind of moral and ancient uh, voice. And those, both of those occasions were, were interesting. We met interesting people, we learned stuff, it prompted us to think things through. Um, each of them had impact in, in profound ways. One of them, Namit Saw, who at the time was deputy mayor of Jerusalem, was part of the delegation and put together a table on the religious, uh, on the environmental impact of religious pilgrimage, which led to a huge conference on that topic and, and significant change. But this has felt very different. This is, this feels like much more of a tipping point. And just in a personal sense, the lead up to those two things, I was aware just in colloquial conversation, most people, unless they were serious environmentalists, hadn't really thought about those cops, didn't really know what they were. Whereas it just feels as though, in a good way, in a moving way, that the eyes of the world uh, have been on this gathering, and rightly so. What have you made of it? What have been the highlights for you? Yeah, it, it, uh, it really does feel like the world is watching. Um, the number of people here, the media, um, presence both here and then still looking at American media uh, during the last week. It's been really um, powerful. Um, and there have been a bunch of moments that, that stick out to me this, this past week. And I hope, I hope there's more highlights in the week ahead, although we'll be, we won't be here for it. So just a few highlights for me, the, um, not only the United States uh, rule on methane that was, that was announced, but there's a whole focus, um, there's actually a pavilion on methane. You said it last night, Shabbat. May the Holy One bless the Jews and Palestinians and everyone who left out. You left out methane. It's not <laughs> meth. I mean, it's there's just the a, people trying to control gas, right? So, right. so um, trying to put methane in its place. That was a highlight. Um, deforestation pledge to try to halt deforestation by 2030 and try to put finance behind that. Um, that was that was pretty powerful and to. You know, I don't consider myself an expert on, on any of the policy matters here, but in being in some sessions around financial people uh, who are doing this work for decades point to that and say that's that's more progress than we thought we were going to make um, was, was uh, excited, exciting to me. And the whole um, framing around nature positive uh, is really that that nature-based solutions is a really big part of this. Um, feels really important and exciting because it does feel it has felt to me kind of lacking if we just talk about solar and wind, which is absolutely critical. But we don't, as if it's okay if all <laughs> forests are cut down. That, so this feels there's more balanced and and rightfully so. Um, and then the other piece I would say we talked about finance a little bit, but uh, the the non-state actors. Um, the corporate world, uh, the you know not just not just national governments but local governments, um, you know that that feels really encouraging. I will say, in a number of these sessions, uh, there's been a, quite a few Jews that have been um, you know prominent, and and that's been been really powerful too. So uh, those are a few of my highlights. What about you? When you look back at the week, what are, what are some of yours? So, firstly, as you know. Uh, I've felt increasingly moved in the last day or two. I've found this an incredibly intense experience in a way that I definitely didn't expect. Um, 
Of all things, how good did a session yesterday? Uh, it was a 90 minute, it was kind of like his inconvenient truth thing from 15 years ago, but it was very much now, it was completely new. Uh, it was the most astonishing thing I think I've ever seen, honestly, in my life, the, the most intense presentation. It's incredibly dense, it was incredibly powerful, and I would say two thirds of it was, it's not as if, you know, it's not as if you and I haven't thought about these things before. It was the most visceral, comprehensive, devastating depiction of the multiple ways that we're doing damage to the world and the certainty that those things are going to get worse certainly the next 5 10 15 years at a certain point i just started crying like i really lost it and so that was incredibly intense and then in the last 30 minutes he also put together a really constructive case for hope and a whole range of balls that have been set in train that are going to make things better and I started crying all over again and then the third time I was kind of moved because it, there's also something to me very Jewish about this specific thing here's Al, Al Gore he was vice president of the United States for eight years he won the Nobel Prize he was the board member of Apple and made a lot of money from that he could be on a beach he doesn't have to do this stuff like he's made his point he's he's written into history and I've never seen a, a presentation that was more powerful, including emotionally powerful. And so I think it somehow or other, I, I, I feel this incredibly, you know, we go into Yom Kippur with this notion that we should imagine when we're down on Yom Kippur that our life is completely evenly balanced and that the next thing that we do will tip the scales for good or ill. And I feel that incre incredibly intense sense that we are at a pivot point for the world and that there are all sorts of bad things happening and all sorts of good things happening in every single one of us individually, every institution, every religious community, every company, every city, every country, literally, it's not one of us, it's literally all of us. What are we gonna do next? Yeah, and I think that's the right, pivot for me to think about, you know, for us to think about the challenges. Um, and, and I had a few moments uh, <laughs> finding myself cry, <laughs> not walking into a session imagining or experience, expecting to become emotional, but just the experience of being here with people all around the world who have come here together to, with common cause is so profound. Um, I've found been particularly moved um, in moments of sort of witnessing testimony and leadership of indigenous peoples uh, and coming to the, the march today. So in the Washington Post, they said it was 100,000. I heard large organizers say it was 150 or 250,000. It was so many people. In the pouring rain. In the pouring in the rain, wind, rain. It was like, and people were not even phased a little bit and drumming and music and dancing and signs. And I just found it to be so powerful um and the there was so much uh there's there's really a sense uh, i found there's like a lot of joy in that and there is definitely a sense of anger there's definitely there is this is nowhere near enough we have a very long way to go what is the climate justice for developing nations um what is the not tokenizing of youth and women leadership and indigenous leadership but the actual empowerment of those those key uh, uh, folks that we need to follow the leadership of. Um, 
there's a, there's, uh, I think a, a challenge that I feel, I was just talking to someone who says, this has actually been a debate for years of, do we just focus on the technological fix or is there actually not, or obviously there's a deeper cultural crisis and moral crisis going on here. How and when do we really confront that head on? Um, and I think this, uh, a big piece of this comes back to this idea. We see a lot around here, race to zero race to nature positive. And this is not a simple thing. It's the largest, arguably the largest project in like the history of humanity. And to race, what does that mean for equity? What does that mean for justice? How does it happen in a way that's, that's really uh, done right? People are saying, you know, in, this, in the March, the big sign that had a net zero, because, you know, people committed to net zero by 2050, 2060, 2070, big sign of net zero with the X across it. We don't want net zero, we want real zero. We don't want it to be a balance. We want 24 seven everywhere in the world, renewable energy. And there's just, and hearing that um, sort of really prophetic voice from the protesters, from Greta Thunberg, um, from indigenous leaders, pushing people and feeling like um, really moved by that and seeing the sort of two sides of the same coin, like all those people which we were a part of marching and then all these people in here that are very much inside the system and how do we find the path forward together uh and and there's 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 hope and there's anger and it's just like there's a lot of, there's a lot of emotion i think that's part of how it becomes a tipping point is that there's so much emotion here so i don't know what do you make of all that i uh, i i feel it's been clarifying in certain ways um it is more and more and more clear to me that the key action is happening at the level of like governments and the private sector and it's literally cities and companies literally cleaning up their act and changing their policies and committing to not putting out carbon and in certain cases committing to reversing it and actually that's what the world needs like like it really is there's no question about that and and indeed, just one microscopic thing on that. I think we talked about this. One of the people I bumped into in the corridor here two days ago, and I thanked him, of all things, was the Comptroller General of the State of Israel, because I was at the Knesset 10 days ago for the publication of the Comptroller General's report. Here is something buried in the bowels of the government. It's effectively an accounting and audit office. And they've done a 659-page critique of Israel's government in relationship to climate crisis over the last decade and detailed in all sorts of specific ways where the government had made commitments and not kept them or not measured them. And it was a it was a very powerful event. Biggest conference space in the Knesset was full. There were a lot of people there. There were MKs from an exceptionally wide spectrum. And it feels clear coming out of that that they are going to end up putting in place actual measurable goals and mechanisms to, to track it that will actually like measurably have impact. And as that happens country by country, city by city, company by company, I think that's absolutely critical. And it turned out again, one teeny weeny 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 unsexy piece of coppers. It turns out all of the standards people, and I think actually the Secretary General of the UN also announced something on this, all of the standards people have started to meet to agree single common common standards globally just to track carbon outputs and actually that's going to turn out to be incredibly profound for the future of planet earth so i feel clear that that stuff's incredibly important 
The question then is, well, what is the role of religion? What's the role of Chazan? What's the role of public pressure? And, and, and this is the place where I think this is this balance between humility and profound significance. Um, to the extent that this carp is different than it was 10 years ago, it's actually because of the aggregate forces of civil society. It's because of the environmental movement. It is because of religious environmentalists. And it is because ultimately governments and companies are responsive to that, that, um, that real change happens. It's just fascinating looking at Tesla. Tesla is both producing electric cars, but ultimately the success of Tesla is partly because people want to buy them. People partly want to buy them, but at the moment the price premium because they understand that that's important. And meanwhile, it's suddenly having a knock-on effect on GM and Ford. So that's, that's how it is, I think, that we're all in it together. And I don't think it's helpful, honestly, doing the which is more important than what. I really, really believe that it needs all of us. And I, you know, that whole Reb Zusha thing, right? It's not that you have to be like Moses, our teacher. It's like, how can you be the best you can be? How can I be the best person I can be? How can anybody watching or listening be the best person or institution they can be? That's the key challenge. Amen. Amen. And uh, we, uh, we had a chance to really share and to sit together with new friends and old last night, um, Friday night, Shabbat dinner to sort of process this and digest this together at Garnet Hill Synagogue, a historic synagogue in Glasgow, 150 year old, almost shul. The local Jewish community here just so sweet and warm and welcoming. Really shout out to Susan Siegel who put the whole dinner together along with Sonia Sugarman on our, our team. And it was like 50 people, um, some of whom definitely a great local contingent and a few of us from America and a bunch of people from Israel. And it was so beautiful. It was so sweet to be there, to dive in together, to have dinner together. And then we heard folks just share what was their week like, what was their, what were some of the big takeaways, you know, what were people thinking about? And I think we just heard a microcosm of this conversation there, like some people feeling edge, you know, like, like frustrated and a lot of people feeling like excitement and hope and, and positivity and coming from a, a variety of different perspectives. And, and I think, but everybody really sharing like, this is sweet to, uh, to be able to gather as, as a Hevra, as a Jewish, Jewish community from all, all over the world in uh, a little shul together. I mean, that was really special. What was that your experience? Well, I was just going to say, and there was a postscript today because uh, in fact, in shul uh, today, they have the Lord Provost of Glasgow, which is, it turns out here, the name for the mayor and leaders from the Muslim community and the Hindu community. And last night we had a Jesuit priest. Um, and, and I actually had the chance to talk with the Lord Provost of Glasgow and thank him for the city of Glasgow doing an amazing job. They set up a thing called Faith Forum in this town after 9-11. Um, and then following the war in Gaza seven years ago, the Jewish community and the Muslim community took deeper steps to working closely together. And I had the chance to say to the Lord Provost, there's now essentially, you know, the Chazan seal of sustainability played out on a larger scale. What is it to imagine Glasgow committing its religious communities over the next seven years mm -hmm. to being the best city in Britain mm -hmm. in terms of environmental sustainability. And I think there is, I mean, it's only a small piece of it, but I think, I think the city of Glasgow is coming out of this with an incredible sense of sort of 
pride and desire to to drive for the change. I have no idea why I'm so so sort of verklempt about this. I, I really am. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally astonished by it, but I really am. It's so it's like stru structurally profound to be in a place yeah. where so many people are coming. Yeah. We we were really honored to, to be able to host that gathering last night and, and bring you know together everybody for dinner. And then today, like in the march, I'm dancing next to the drum line, and there's the young Israelis uh, that I had met last night, and we marched together like just uh, really really sweet. And so as we move towards whew, closing, it has been a powerful week. We are going to be in different parts of the world here over, over the months uh, to come. But this is a powerful time. So it's not only powerful here in Glasgow, it's powerful in the Jewish calendar. So I'd love for your, your reflections, thoughts on where we are in time. So, yeah, so Friday was Rosh Chodesh Kislev, uh, which means this is, you know, the starting bell for Hanukkah, um, which of course is both light in the darkness and about conserving oil, making it last longer. Um, I, I had to, I had two minutes to speak at Windsor, uh, Windsor Castle, uh, head of the, that cup, somehow or other to represent the Jewish people. And I was, I was really intimidated by it. Was I going to talk about, I'll test it, not wasting this, that, and slightly to my surprise, it wasn't where I started. I found myself talking about hope and actually talking about Tisha B'Av, that, that here we have in the summer something three weeks that culminates in essentially commemorating destruction, all of the different destructions that we've experienced, facing them squarely. And yet we have the idea that Mashiach, that the Messiah will be born on the afternoon of Tisha B'Av. We kind of mimic our own death, we come out alive. And six days later, it's too bad, the festival of love. And I think that Hanukkah mimics that. And I feel very, very strongly uh, coming out of this cup that, that hope is a Jewish value and a Jewish commitment. And it's absolutely what Hanukkah is about. And that our obligation is to face squarely the things that are going wrong in the world, but not be pulled down by it, not get depressed, not, not let it make us like scared and angry, it doesn't bring out the best in us. And actually go forwards with a sense of, of hope and commitment. Last thought from you. I'm, I'm feeling all that. And, and I'm also feeling the moment we're in coming out of Shabbat, how powerful a spiritual technology and ecological and environmental technology Shabbat is. In several of the conversations with multi-faith leaders, the Sabbath is it's not necessarily, it's not enough by itself, but it has potential to be a revolutionary spiritual tool in this moment and in this movement. And the Shemitah year, even more so. So we're, we're here coming, you know, still in the first part of the Shemitah year, um, which asks us, pushes us, demands that we step back and, and try to push the ecological and social reset button on society. And man, is this a Shemitah gathering. I don't know what anybody else would call it that. It actually feels even more like Yovel, the, the Jubilee year, the Hakel, like the gathering of, of, in this case, the world to really think about what our society is about. So it's so profound. So it's so moving. And just really grateful for the wisdom in our tradition that push us, that pushes us to really um, step back, to stop, to breathe, and to, to face ourselves and to push ourselves and push ourselves as a society. There's one postscript that, that you and I both only really learned or thought about over the course of the Shabbat, 
which is that, so just to explain to everybody, one of the reasons that, that COP26 has been a particularly big deal is that there are certain things that are tracked every five years, and this was the five-year one. It's possible that that's now going to become an annual thing. So in a sense, the COP every year will almost be on the scale. But we hadn't got our heads around the fact that COP27 is due to be this time next year in Sharm el-Sheikh, uh, almost at the time of our Israel ride. And so that's also kind of interesting to think about in terms of Israel and Egypt and the Middle East and all of that kind of stuff. Who was it we, in one of our interviews that we learned that after the Arctic, which people hear a lot about um, as, a, as the most sensitive uh, landscape to, to climate and obviously the sea, uh, the ice caps melting and everything, that the Middle East is the, is the second most uh, sensitive climate zone. And I imagine that has something to do with the fact that that's why it's there next year. Um, is, to, is to understand how how important that impact is. So, so we will be leaving in the next uh, day or so. Um, folks are here for another week. There's a whole new raft of people that have just arrived for week two. We will continue to, to watch this carefully. And as we leave, as people travel, and as this journey continues, um, not just physically, but politically, socially, uh, spiritually, morally, uh, we want to end with the traveler's prayer that we really ask for protection for everyone here doing such holy work for ourselves um, and that we reach this destination that we are all on. May it be your will, creator, that you lead us toward peace, guide our footsteps toward peace, and make us reach our desired destination for life, gladness, and peace. May you rescue us from the hand of every foe, ambush along the way and from all manner of punishments that assemble to come to earth. May you send blessing in our work and grant us grace, kindness, and mercy in your eyes and in the eyes of all who see us. May you hear the sound of our humble request. Blessed are you, creator. Here's prayer. Amen. Batatsi Lenu Mikaf Kol Oyev Orev, the Listim, the Chayot, Raot, and all kinds of other bad things in the world, Baderech. We call me Nepranu Yotem at Rakshot Lavola Lam. Batit Nenu Lachain, Lachesed Rach, member in Echo Vene Korenu. Kiel Shamet Fila Batakanun Ata, Baruch Ata Adonai Shamet Fila. Amen. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on Sound the Call. Dispatches from Glasgow. Sending everybody love. See you on the other side. Shalom. Thank you for joining us. If you are interested in this series and other Chazon podcasts, be sure to subscribe to Chazon the Podcast. To follow other programs in the Sound the Call series at COP26, visit chazon.org backslash COP26.